0: Please be seated. If you will, go ahead and open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 6. I want to, again, read uh, a little broader context this morning. Again, verses 20 through 26. Uh, Again, the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. Last week we looked at Jesus' words in regard to the blessed status, the blessed state of those who are in the midst of suffering. And we looked at it from the perspective of the universal reality and experience of the fallenness of our world that whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, that there is a whole host, a whole variety, a whole plethora of afflictions and the accompanying sorrows that will come our way. One of the things that makes my blood boil, and there are a lot of things that make my blood blood boil, quite honestly, but one of the most prominent things that makes my blood boil is anything that smacks of the popular and contemporary health and wealth gospel. That is that there is nothing about the gospel that promises that you shall be free from the sorrows that are a part of our fallen reality in this fallen world. And that there's any kind of promise that if you have enough faith or you understand the principles or whatever it is that they want to claim, And, you know, you're going to alleviate suffering is a lie. It's where? It's from the pit of hell and smells like smoke. There you go. You got it. You got the whole thing. Okay. It's not true. Today, we're going to zero in on a more specific, a more peculiar type of suffering that is unique to the believer that is the suffering or the persecution that comes our way expressly because of our allegiance, our faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel. The Bible says over and over again in many different ways that this is the common experience through the course of history, beginning with Abel and continuing until our day, and it will continue until the day that our Lord Jesus returns, that those who faithfully follow Jesus Christ will suffer for that commitment. And so let's look at Jesus' own words to us today as we dive into the reality of of our blessedness even as persecuted. Verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. Pray with me this morning. Father, once again, thank you for your truth. It is your inspired and errant and infallible word. I pray that your spirit that inspired these words would work in us give us understanding, uh, give us insight. Uh, I pray that your spirit would apply these truths to our lives so Lord that we may be ready, we may be prepared in that day which for many of us has already come upon us but is indeed sure to come. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. In the Contemporary American evangelical church I would suspect Because it's true of me I would suspect It's a bit uncomfortable For us to talk About being persecuted For our faith One reason might be That we so easily forget about those Who throughout our world Right in this very moment Are under the threat or the actual act of persecution. That right now they are in hiding. Right now they are fearful that someone may come and arrest them. Someone may come and afflict them for our faith. And how easily we neglect to pray for the persecuted church. And then. We're virtually paralyzed at the thought of our faith costing us anything. The idea that we cannot live our lives with all the pleasantries of modern America and go about our business and do as we please when we please and that someone would actively oppose us because we named the name of Christ absolutely makes our knees knock. Maybe it should. And then we're just simply so comfortable. We're so comfortable where we are and how we are that we could lose what we consider to be this type of blessedness. But as so often the truth, the church has been moved to action. Its its fervor has been fanned to a white-hot intensity when the cultures, when the powers that be, when all that's gathered around the church begins to put pressure on the church. One thing it does, the faint-hearted saint soon disappears. But those who know their Lord endure, they persevere, they overcome until the very end. Let's look at verse 20, excuse me, verse 22. I want to walk through that that text. It's a little more complex than maybe some of the other Beatitudes we've looked at. Again, you are at a blessed place, a blessed time in your life when people hate you when they leave you out of whatever's going on when they ridicule and and make fun of you and speak evil of you even when your name is mentioned they make derogatory comments none of that sounds particularly pleasant to me I like to be well thought of and well spoken of, and for most of my life, for the most part, I think I have been. And none of that sounds to be particularly a, a blessing. To be to be left out, to be reviled, and again, my my even the very mention of my name causes speak, people to speak ill of me. But when those things happen, particularly because of my conviction in my stand in my expression for the gospel of Jesus Christ for the Jesus speaks of the Son of Man again alluding to that figure that appears in Daniel chapter 7 as the one who inherits his kingdom from the ancient of days and rules and reigns forever that's our Savior that's our King and so we're blessed Why are we blessed? Well, he explains to us, first of all, and this is a bit of an imperative, but it's it's a reality as well. It's a a possibility in that even when the sorrows come, the persecution comes for our faith, we can rejoice. We can rejoice because what? The greatest of suffering in this life is but brief compared to, to eternity. Even persecution is brief and compared to eternity. We can rejoice, even leap for joy. Now, some of y'all out here, I suspect it's been a day or two since you have leaped, leaped for joy. I mean, I would like for our church to be known as Air North Clay because we're constantly what? Leaping for joy. Even because that narrow-minded bunch up there, they stand for Jesus. I don't know about that bunch up there. You know, I get very, very tickled when I go get my grandson and I kind of turn him loose. And he will he will go down to Cosby Lake. Charles has seen him down. And he will jump All the way around the lake. He's just so happy. He is just so happy. Even when we are being denounced and oppressed because of our faithfulness to Jesus Christ, we should, we could, and we must leap for joy. Because listen, we stand in a long line of godly men. Go back, if you know anything about your Bible. If you know anything about your Bible, about those that appear across the pages from Old Testament to New Testament. It's a fairly consistent refrain that those that proclaimed the truth and stood for the truth were persecuted. That's been the norm. Again, we live in a very unusual day but a day that's rapidly changing. And so, when our faithfulness is met with the opposition of whatever the cultural representatives are, our reward in heaven is great. Again, as Jesus said, that's, that's actually laying up treasure in heaven. That's kind of a strange concept, phenomenon to us. But we can rejoice that His work is so demonstrably powerful in us that it has worked its way out, that even though we are swimming upstream, that we're fighting the current of the society, great, great is our reward. That it can bring present joy. Remember? You're jumping. You're leaping. For joy, I'd like to see some of you get, I'd like for some of you to get high enough for me to slide a slip of paper under you. Okay? I mean, yeah. Anyway, I won't even go there. But you can leap for joy because of the greatness, the greatness of the coming reward. I do not count the sufferings of this present age worthy to draw a comparison between them and this. Romans eight eighteen. 18. That, that, that the glory, and again, we can say heaven. And, and, and immediately, everybody starts talking about pearly gates and streets of gold. and that's what, that's, Listen, I want to see Jesus. I want to look in his face, and it'll all be good. It'll all be good. I don't care if the streets are, are rutted like old logging trails. I could care less. I just want to see the face of Jesus. That's what will make everything fine in that day. And so let's look, first of all, and ask and answer three questions. Kind of a why, how, and what? Why does the world persecute the believer? After all, we're the good guys. I mean, we've we've ministered to widows and orphans. We've built hospitals. We've fed the hungry. Uh, you name it. I mean, virtually every week I get an email from various Christian organizations, including our own Birmingham. Uh, Metro Baptist Association uh, they've changed their name I can't get it straight but anyway whatever that thing is down there that's next to old Trinity Hospital even they go and help where natural disasters have occurred as do other Baptist agencies okay and so we go and we help people how why would the world persecute the believer when we do so much good in the world? Well, I think I list eight, and that's not even exhaustive. First of all, the unbelieving world, the unbeliever, they love darkness. That's what Jesus said about them. After, again, after John 3, 16, God loves the world. His Son has come into the world. He's come to die on the cross. He's come to be raised from the dead. He's come to save any and all who believe. But The light has come. They hate the light because what? They love darkness because they love their own dark deeds. They love deeds consistent with the darkness. And I've told this story many, many times before. But my sweet mother, rest her soul. Now, again, I said at her funeral, I'll stand by it. She is the best person I've ever known. I mean good as gold and uh loved me and spoiled me appropriately my my dad didn't, but my i mean I never made a bed until I had to. I got married and started having to do stuff like that uh I didn't wash clothes, I didn't wash dishes you know I, you know, and I couldn't have done it to please her now that was part of the equation don't do, it, it wasn't all benevolence, okay but in the morning. When it came time to get up and go to school, that cruel and vicious lady would come in and flip the lights on in my room. I mean, I was sleeping; I wasn't, bo- I wasn't bothering her, I wasn't sassing her, I wasn't doing a lot of things that I did to her over. The- but she flipped the lights on them. Somebody as sweet and gentle and kind as I was, and, oh, I hated it because in my Sleeping stupor. I hated the light. The unbelieving world hates the light of the gospel. They hate the light of the truth. It exposes their wickedness. The light is always more powerful than the darkness. And it exposes the the, the wickedness of the unbelieving world. And they, they, they love their sins because, and this is Jesus' words. They're sons of the devil. In speaking to the to his fellow Jews, and they're indicting him and accusing him of all manner of things. And he, they 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 got well, we're the sons of Abraham. How could we be as you say we are? No. You're the sons of the devil, and. You speak his native tongue, which is lying. They love the dark. Satan loves the dark. They love the things that their father loves, namely the darkness and things associated with darkness. So they don't like the the light of truth, the, the light of the the gospel, exposing their 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 lies. Their you know, as I listen to things. Uh, each day, how I, 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 I can almost understand the the new sexual revolution more than I can understand the abortion stuff. I can almost get to understanding the wackiness of, of the sexual perversion movement, but the absolute self righteous. Dig in the, your heels. This is a, a cherished right and privilege, and, and we should all indulge in murdering unborn children. Absolutely. I can't. I, I. But how dark is the darkness? If you think that's a, a virtue, that you think. If that's a, a good thing and and you promote that and to even as as you know our, our more our, our scientific advances have have brought to reality that no sane person, no sane person can argue that that which is being destroyed is not human life. I mean they just, it's just there's just not an argument there, okay? I mean, now again, and some of y'all may be this what? Nah, I'm kidding. But you know, we could get in a knockdown, dragout fight as to whether or not it's Sunday or not, or or, or there's daylight or not, or you know, I mean, people will dig into the most idiotic positions imaginable and try to defend them, and and so, but how can that be defended? Because they love darkness. They're sons of the devil. Third thing, they're blinded. The God of this age has, has blinded their minds. They, they, they really can't see truth. And, and again, the fourth thing, they can't understand it. They don't get it. Now, let me be very clear. And he, uh, Even last night there was a, kind of a passing uh, statement. Uh, some things going on, you know, an acquaintance, friend. Some things that I disagree with. and You know, why didn't God just change their heart, professing believers and all this. and You know, God is God. He can do, and, and again, that whole mystery of God's sovereignty, and he can do anything he chooses to do whenever he chooses to do it. Man's responsibility. Man's freedom. You know, uh, we're going to do stupid, sinful things. You know, and you can't blame God when you go do something stupid. Okay? But he's sovereign. And, and, and so just trying to put all those together. And so there's some difficult things in the Christian faith. I get it. There's some difficult things in the Bible, and we wrestle with them. I get it. But anyone of average intelligence, if I said, I'm going to teach a course in the the, liter, the literature of the Bible, and I just want you to get the basic story, that there's a God who created, and there are human beings who rebelled, and God sent His Son to save the world, and He's coming... You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer to pass that test. Okay? You do not have to be a genius to get the essential thrust of the Bible. But what? It's foolishness to the unbelieving world it's still why because they're blind and they don't understand the man the natural man the man that doesn't have the spirit that they're blinded to these things they, they think of them as foolishness they think of the truths that we hold dear that we articulate that we stand for that we should be willing to die for again if i said who will die for the truth of the gospel all all you pious saints yeah 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 Who's going to live for that same truth when you go home today? We're, we're doing a, a thing on marriage in Sunday school. Hard stuff. Folks, being married hard. It's hard. Are you going to live out the truth of the gospel when you go home today to your wife? That's hard. Don't look at me all spiritual, but I'm telling you it's hard. And I know you know it. So you nod your heads or you stand there and just look at me. But yeah. They don't understand. We speak truth, therefore we confront sin. I don't like to get caught in a mistake. You know, you know, if you catch me, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna blame somebody else. I am so quick. Yeah, you catch me messing up something, I'm gonna blame Joey. Yeah. Yeah, I blame Joey. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I'll do I'll blame Gooch. There you go. I blame Gucci. Everybody knows it's Gucci's fault. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so we confront sin, and nobody likes that. We shouldn't be surprised that. We expose the lies. Again, the the abortion issue is just one. I mentioned already. The the there is nothing about sexual immorality in any of its many forms that makes any sense. Do you hear me? There there is no health psychological professional in, in the world that has any legitimacy that will tell you that these bizarre behaviors, even just simple immorality, if you want to call it that, between heterosexuals, is good for you. It just doesn't work out at the end of the day. It's not good. And so we expose lies while they do what? Romans 1:18, over and over and over and over again. They suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. How many of you, as a child, now I, I didn't do this. You know, I was really a great kid. But Your mother would tell you to go clean your room up. And I'd start throwing toys in the closet and under the bed and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that wasn't exactly what she had in mind, you know. And and what was I doing? My room wasn't clean. I was trying to suppress the reality that it was dirty. And that's what we do. That's what the unbelieving world does. Is they want to deny that which they know is obviously true. Why? They love darkness. They're sons of the devil. They're blinded and they can't understand. So it all goes together. Then we're persecuted because we're inclusive. What do we say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There was a a young man. That attended this church for a while, and he was incensed at me because I spoke of the reality that even young children are sinners. Oh, he bowed up. Oh, he bowed up big time. Oh, no, 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 no! no. He had several kids, and I'm like, man, you you are not paying attention. If you think that even at a young age they start demonstrating the fact that they're depraved. I see one young mother nodding her head. Yeah. Yeah. But again, they, they, they are sinners. We're all, so we include everybody in that statement. People don't like that. And then we're exclusive. There's only one resolution His name is Jesus. And I didn't make it up, but He said it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other Savior. There, there's no other way. As David Platt said several years ago when I went to one of the Baptist meetings downtown, he spoke about, you know, people want to say, well, what about those, all those innocent people in Africa that have never heard about Jesus? Or uh, I mentioned last week, what about all those Im- innocent people up in the Himalayan mountains that have never heard about Jesus? Biblically speaking, there are people that have never heard about Jesus, but they are not innocent. I didn't say that. Don't get mad at me. That's what the Bible says very clearly. They have suppressed the knowledge of the truth. And so, again, we're exclusive. There's only one way. There's no other way to be reconciled To the Father, there's no other way to have your sins forgiven than through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have certainty. Oh, don't we love just the kind of shilly-shally, I don't know. You know, everybody's favorite preacher, Joel Oster. I don't know, you know. What a goober. Yeah, yeah. But we have certainty. Why are you here on earth? Where did you come from? I mean, how how did why how and how did the world get to be such a mess? Why why has suffering come up? We have some certainty on those on those questions. They're big questions. They're important questions. And again, the world just wants, ah, I don't know. We have answers to we have real answers to real questions that are real problems they love sensuality they just want to feel something. I was thinking I heard an ad Dale's cousin owns iron City that very popular I haven't been yet and uh, uh, basically I guess a nightclub entertainment venue down down in birmingham and I think that you could go down there on Saturday night, and I'm if, if you want to go, just be here at church the next day. I'm not making any comment about whether you should go or, or not. I mean, yeah. um, But if you went down there on Saturday night, you probably could go to a lot of churches and get the same sensate experience, the same light show, the same... Guitar and drum licks—the same, you know. Got to get the moving going, kind of stuff. And that's why the church is filled with carnal people. You can fill a building with carnal people if you appeal to their carnality. Who doesn't like rock and music? I do. We went to my buddy Mark Smith's house last night and played uh, 70s rock trivia or something like that. You know who won. I mean, the preacher knows his 70s rock music. I knew Playground in Your Mind by Clint Holmes, baby. I I knew... uh, Oh, shoot. um, Not Sylvia's Mother, the other hit by Dr. Hook in the Medicine Show. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know. But we all like that stuff. But that's not truth. We're people about truth. And the truth doesn't always make you feel all gooey, gooey, and tingly. Now, sometimes it might. Let me tell you this. Let me give you an ooey, gooey, tingly. Okay? Everybody ready? Because I don't, I don't give you many of those. Is everybody ready? Are you ready? Okay, good. All right. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven and your hope is heaven. That ought to make you tingle all the way down to your toes. That's the best thing anybody's ever told you. That's the best thing anybody ever told you. But the world doesn't want to hear that. They want something that makes them do whatever. All right. How does the world persecute the believer? Marginalized. They move them out to the peripheral, okay? You you don't belong. You don't fit in. You're out of step. Okay? They they ridicule. We've said for years. It is open the the only subspecies or whatever subgroup that you want that, that it is absolutely okay to to lampoon and 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 basically say they they are buffoons. Is evangelical Christians, particularly the men evangelical Christians, on television shows. You listen, you you say something negative about some sexual deviant, and all hell will break loose in the culture. But you can absolutely call a Christian a, a bigot and an idiot and whatever, and it's fine. Okay? And let me tell you something that's a dangerous precedent. That's dangerous. Because let me tell you something, if you can make fun of somebody and you can ridicule them, you're not really too far from being able to remove them from the society. I'm telling you. And so, you kind of move them out, you ridicule them, you exclude them. I've told you this story many times. I had a friend that was an employee of a major corporation, one of the largest corporations in the world. This has been 18 or so years ago. He brought me his memos from whoever, I don't know, the vice president for political correctness or something, I don't know, what about how to correctly address the homosexuals in the workplace and that there will be repercussions if you didn't address them. I've said this. My my son-in-law works for a major corporation. Uh, Many of you have or do. I would say this, that if you're working for a company of any size, And someone were to come to you and say, I'm troubled. And they were a practicing homosexual. And you would say, listen, let me just tell you. The reason you're so troubled is you're living in rebellion against God. That you're practicing a lifestyle that God will never bless and never honor. And you're in conflict with both God and yourself. And the only remedy is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you were reported to the higher-ups, you would be probably escorted out of the building before the close of business that day. I don't know that for a fact, but I suspect that's the truth. I'm pretty sure that would be true in many, many cases. And it's going to be more and more true. Um, So how does the world persecute? Well, you may get fired. You could get fired from your job. You could not be hired if they find out you're a devoted Christian. They misrepresent us. Oh my gosh. And this goes way back. One early critic of Christianity accused the early Christians of being cannibals. Why? Because they ate of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in communion. That's misrepresenting what's going on in the Lord's Supper. How often our our positions are so misrepresented. And again, we're accused of what? Being judgmental. Listen, if you understand Scripture, let's say the homosexual, we're to love them. We're to love them. We're to love those that have been victimized by abortion. Folks, there's grace and forgiveness. And I, I don't know who, I don't know of anybody, but I'm quite sure in a group this large that somebody that you care about deeply has been impacted by abortion. Okay? That's just the reality of this modern world, okay? There is grace and forgiveness for that. How can the world hate us for saying that there's grace and forgiveness? Well, because the presupposition is you're guilty and you need forgiveness. And, folks, there is no forgiveness apart apart from acknowledging the reality of your own guilt. Yeah. So, they misrepresent us as being... Judgmental, and again, the whole judge not lest you be judged. They attack us. We think of things, the early Christians or maybe the Middle Ages as being an age of persecution. 20th century was the bloodiest century in all of human history for believers. More were killed in the 20th century than any other century in the course of human history. And so they attack us. It may be bloodshed, but let me tell you something as in the very famous case of this bakery owner, I think in Denver. You own a small business. And and I was a wedding photographer at at one time. This kind of hit close to home. And you say, I don't want to bake a cake. I mean, in the the world of business, I've I've got an engineer here, I've got a contractor here, I know other types. I just don't want to do work for you. My brother's a builder. There's are just people He thinks you're an idiot. I don't want to get involved. I just don't want to build your house. I mean, when do you not have a right to turn down work? I don't want to bake your cake. This guy gets, he, he's forced into bankruptcy paying his legal bills because he doesn't want to bake a cake for a homosexual wedding. I think that's pretty persecuted. I think that's pretty persecuted, that our government would even indulge someone to bring such an idiotic case. I mean, you coerced me to come to your your wedding as a photographer. There's a picture, there's a picture, there's a picture, there's a picture, there's a picture. Here's your wedding pictures. Well, gee, they didn't turn out too good, did they? Oh, you mean I put Ajax instead of flour in your cake? I mean, Crazy. All right, what's on the horizon? Well, we're going to be continue to be pushed on the uniqueness of the gospel. Unfortunately, even those that consider themselves evangelicals, well, you know, there's probably, you know, at least a crack in the door for, you know, this and that and the other. No. 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 There's not. The sexual revolution is going to continue to push us seems like with the Trump administration, there's been a little bit of settling. But it's coming back. All they're doing is just, you know, armoring up. All they're doing is just waiting their time. Continue to be a push on abortion. Simply morality and ethics. If you're in the business world, you're going to be pressured. You know, whatever it is, shoddy workmanship, poor workmanship, overbilling you name it, but the big thing, we're going to see more and more infiltration of the church, we're going, to, we're going to be willing as the church, the visible church, to give the world more of what they want, you want bells and whistles, you want smoke and mirrors, you want, you know, theater seating, you want this, you want that, we're going to give it to you, We want want the world to come join with us. There's really no distinction between the church and the world. Keep keep coming. Keep coming. We're going to water down the message so you won't be offended and we're going to keep you coming. So more and more unbelievers are going to be a part of the visible church. We're going to compromise to keep them happy. We're We're going to quit speaking truth. We're going to round off the edges of the truth to keep everybody happy. You know, I never could figure out how compromised churches could have such big buildings and pay their pastors so well and all of this. And it finally dawned on me, you know, if you'll let my conscience off the hook, I'll write you a check. I mean, it's worth a lot of money to me if you'll just let me be. If I can kind of show up when it's convenient, do the churchy thing, maybe get a little goose bump here and there with the music and so forth. You say nice things. I'll write you a check. And then I can go off and live like I want to. Yeah. So we're going to be infiltrated more and more. We're going to be we're not threatened much by liberals anymore, not in the SBC. They're gone. They joined the CBF 30 years ago. Our threat is the relativist. They're going to come in, this is what it means to me. This is how I feel. All this stuff. What does the Bible say? What does it mean by what it says? That's what we stand on. But they're going to undermine the church. You know, we're going to be all want to be all touchy feely. We want to be relevant. Quickest way to irrelevance is try to be relevant to a decadent culture. But but they're coming. We're going to see more and more even high profile defections. Okay, that we like we've seen in the last few weeks. Why? Because again, we've brought in this whole movement. Now, let me say this. Kind of fits in with all the rest. But our threat of compromise, and and again, when we stand for truth, even the church is going to push back and persecute those that stand for truth. What I call the quasi-charismatic movement. Now, folks, there are some godly and holy people that are charismatics, okay? Does everybody everybody hear me when I say that? Just because you are into the charismatic movement does not make you an ungodly person. But it has spawned the whole health and wealth prosperity movement, so many other subsects of that. And they're so enamored with, with feelings and stuff, they're willing to accept anything. And there's going to be those that stand for truth They're going to be continually marginalized because that movement is where the growth is in the American church because people love their sensate churches. They love not having to to deal with tough issues. You know, in Sunday school, we're talking about the complete husband. It convicts me. If you're going to be a believer and you're going to apply it in your home, guess what? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. That's enough to run most men out of your Sunday school class. They don't, they don't want to man up. That kind of thing's enough to drive most women out of a Sunday school class. That, just that truth that is so basic. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. To instruct a husband as to how to love your wife as Christ loves (laughs) you. That doesn't give you a lot of real goose pimples, guys. Yeah. The truth, it'll be a dividing line. So we're going to see those kind That's what's on the horizon. It's here now. It's on the horizon. We're going to see more lawsuits over not marrying gays, all of that's coming, you know that it's coming but blessed blessed, you're at a blessed place when your stand for the gospel is in such stark contrast with the unbelieving world that they hate you for it and you can rejoice because the clarity of the gospel is such that you're absolutely certain that your place is secure In heaven, that your sins are forgiven. You can rejoice even with the very reality of persecution. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. It's a sobering truth. It's true truth. It's, It's reality. It's just where we are in our world today, unfortunately, in our nation today. I pray. That as sobering as these things are, Lord, it it is a refreshing truth and an encouraging truth. Believers have endured. They've been called upon to persevere for century after century. And we are very close to that place if not already at that place. May we know your grace. May we be able to leap for joy in the day that the pressures come our way. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.